Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. A lot of businessmen there, I remember. They were all the businessmen. We were lined up. We were like soldiers. We all had our business suits on. We all had our briefcases. (laughs) We were just standing there and waiting in the line. And I noticed this woman And she was going from one businessman to the next. And I didn't know what she was doing, but it surprised me. So I turned to the businessman next to me, and I said to him, is she a prostitute? And the businessman just looked at me sternly, and he said, stay clean. (laughs) That's what he said to me, stay clean. I could hear Jacob saying in verse 2, be clean. (laughs) So Jacob's command in verse 2, be clean, it speaks of the heart as opposed to the outward. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. In Matthew 5, 27, where he said, you've heard that it was said of by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. See, when the Lord Jesus Christ said, in Matthew 5, 27, thou shalt not commit adultery. That was the rule. That was the rules. And a person who lived by the rules would not commit the, and didn't commit the act of adultery, he's an upright person. He's an upright person. Not necessarily a holy person. He's upright, though. That was like Jacob saying to his house, get rid of the strange gods, change your garments. But when the Lord Jesus Christ went further in Matthew 5, 28, and said, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. He wasn't speaking about the outward. He was speaking about the heart. That was like Jacob saying to his house in verse two, be clean. That was the Lord Jesus Christ saying, be holy. And a man who's driving in his car and practically dislocates his neck turning around to get a second look at the pretty girl walking down the sidewalk. He may live an upright life, but he's not walking with God. He's not living a holy life. And that's what Jacob was calling his family to be when he said, walk with God, live a holy life, be clean. You know, it says in Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's very interesting the Hebrew word for issue is very interesting, totsah. It means an exiting. Why should I be telling what the Hebrew is when Dan's sitting here? <laughs> Dan, is it right? Even if it's not right, say yes. No, I'm <laughs> just, just joking. All right, totsah. And it means an exiting or a going out. So this verse is really, when you think about it, it's a wonderful picture of the human heart, of the literal human heart. The body lives from what exits 
or goes out of the heart as it pumps. You know, I mean, we're a small congregation. And so, you know, when Cody in our congregation has a heart attack and we go to the, the doctor and the doctor talks about ejection fraction and being so low, it's very close to home here. Because if the heart is healthy, then its ejection fraction or ejection volume it will be greater than 65%, right? And if this doesn't seem relevant to you, wait. <laughs> it will become. <laughs> and, and then the heart is pumping, when it's greater than 65%, it's pumping life to the body, especially the far extremities of the body. But if the heart has a low ejection fraction, very low, 20%, then the heart is not pumping life-giving blood to the body, Fortunately, in my case, in the year 2000, I had acid reflux. I hadn't discovered uh, Prilosec. And my heartburn was mistaken for heart pains. So I had an angiogram. And I had an 85% block in my LAD artery, coronary. And then they stented it. So I avoided the heart attack. But for me in 2000, therefore, I could turn to my cardiologist, Dr. Goldberg, and say to him, Dr. Goldberg, Keep my heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then 15 years later, I asked my cardiologist, I asked Dr. Goba, I said, I'd like another angiogram, if you don't mind, please. And he says, no, we don't just give angiograms. And then I learned, oh, well, you know, that, well, if you have a stress test and you have pain, then you get an angiogram. Oh, so oh, so that buys me the ticket for the angiogram. Okay, let's do the stress test. So I did the stress test. Dr. Gober says, how do you feel? I said, oh, do I feel? I feel... <laughs> I feel such a terrific pain in my heart. Unbelievable. He says, stop. Stop the stretch. We have to do an angiogram. I said, yes. Anyway, so <laughs> he never read my testimony about putting the blood in the urine when I was in high school. So anyway, so at that time, I had four more blocks in my heart. He said, oh, it's 90% block. I have more stents open up. So again, I could turn to Dr. Goldberg. I said, Dr. Goldberg, please keep my heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. So literally, out of the heart are the issues of life. Issues makes us think of the heart like a fountain or a fountain head of water. If the, if the head of water, the fountain head of water is stopped, everything dies below it. The heart's like the Golan Heights in Israel. The crops below the Jordan River Valley, they live on what comes from the Golan Heights water. And so Jacob told his family, be clean. He's saying to his family, they should keep their heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Now, when Jacob told his household, change your garments, in verse 2, you know what we can expect to hear? Expect to hear some people say, why? <laughs> why? Why do I need to change my clothes? What's wrong with my clothes that I'm wearing? My clothes, you know. <laughs> my clothes smell worse than yesterday? <laughs> Sorry, right? Did my clothes all of a sudden become intolerably dirty? There's nothing wrong with my clothes that I'm wearing. In fact, these are my favorite clothes. I like my clothes. I even like the blood from the Shechemites on it. It reminds me of the victory I had over them. But God says in Isaiah 64, 6, he says, all your righteousness, filthy rags, filthy rags. And so just like the response, what's wrong with the clothes I'm wearing? We can hear the people saying today, what's wrong with all my good works? When God said to Moses in Exodus 19.10, Exodus 19.10, Says, and the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people, sanctify them today and tomorrow, let them wash their clothes. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine when that happened and a housewife at that time hearing, tomorrow's the wash day? Yesterday was the wash day. Can you imagine? And then can you imagine such a sight as two to three million Jewish people all washing their clothes? And there's no record. There's no record of any housewife saying, but I just washed my clothes yesterday. Why do I have to wash them again? That's what makes Exodus 19, 14 so miraculous, so amazing. When it says, and Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified them, and they washed their clothes. It says that. And he said unto the people, be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. No man said, why do I have to stay away from my wife? The reason there was just this complete obedience among the Jewish people at that time is because it was inward. The people wanted to be clean from their sins. And Jacob was hoping that his household would take hold of that and would have this inward desire for their heart to be clean. And they would say, I'm so frustrated because I really want my heart to be cleansed from my sin. I really want my soul to be holy. No one can see my heart. No one can see my soul. So how do I express my desire to be clean on the inside? Jacob says, you express your desire to be clean on the inside by taking a bath and changing your clothes. And when we're saved, we feel such a frustration because we really want to express outwardly what has happened inwardly in the unseen realm of our hearts because we did bow internally to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's now our Savior. We want to express that desire. The self-will shall die We shall be guided from here on out by the Lord Jesus Christ. What can we do outwardly? And God says, baptism. That's what you can do. Baptism is your outward expression of what happened to you inwardly. Don't underestimate the power of the message of baptism. I remember how my father always tried to get me to, to return to Judaism. And it was interesting. Every time he'd come down, he would always ask me the same question. Have you been baptized yet? I really wasn't even thinking about baptism as a most important issue for him. He keeps asking me, have you been baptized yet? And when I was baptized, he stopped trying to get me to return. And yesterday when I was talking with Dan, Dan, who's an Israeli, born in Israel, and I asked him, I said, well, if I, uh, could I become an Israeli citizen out of the right to return? And he told me the Israeli government's going to ask you one question. Have you been baptized? And if both my mother and father are Jewish and I've been baptized... I don't get the right to return. It's all right. San Diego's not a bad place to live. Now, what about the person in Jacob's family who said, fine, I'll take a bath, I'll change my clothes, anything else I gotta do? That person really doesn't have a real desire to be cleansed from his sin. He's not really obeying Jacob. Or how about the person during Moses' day who said, whatever, even though I just washed my clothes yesterday, you say today's wash day, okay, I'll half soap them up. And, and Moses, are you happy now? Uh, that person's not really obeying. And how about the person who says, okay, everyone else in my family has been baptized. I feel the pressure. I know it's expected of me to be baptized. So fine, let's do it. I can hold my breath and get wet. Baptism loses its power for that person. It's not a hard engagement. That's why it's best not to push a person to baptism unless he comes from their own heart. Now, Jacob says in verse three, let us arise and go up to Bethel and make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress, was with me in the way which I went. 
This was such a statement of Jacob's spiritual growth. I mean, Jacob, he's taking the initiative. He wants to go up to Bethel to worship God. And it makes it look at our, at our lives and ask this all important question, you know, because spiritual growth is what marks out a Christian, spiritual growth. And if a person's not growing, then he, yeah, first of all, I have to ask the question, am I growing as a Christian? Do I this year have more love, more devotion for the Lord Jesus Christ than I did last year? Because if we don't see any growth, then it's time to ask the really all-important question, am I really sure that I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ? Never assume that. Never assume that because you raised your hand during a church service or you went forward or you've been in the church so long that you've seen the wall get repainted a few times. <laughs> Never assume that that makes you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Growth is an integral part of being in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a point known to God when a person passes from death to life, as it says in 1 John five twelve, he that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And all that is known to God, that point when a person actually passes from death to life, we know that we have passed from, from death to life because of spiritual growth in our lives that we see like we see here with Jacob. We see him worshiping Jehovah Jesus. We see him putting away the sin in his life, ordering his family, get right with God. That's growth. So now Jacob, now he's saying, all right, it's time to leave. This is something. He's saying, it's time. Jacob is now saying, you got to leave now for another place in your life. And this leaving, he's taken on the characteristic uh, part of his grandfather, Abraham. Abraham. Abraham was always leaving. And Isaac was always leaving. They're all leaving. Everybody's leaving. And in Psalm 107, verse 4, it's a very important description of the Jewish people when it said, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. You know, when it says that they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way, Bar, it's they vacillated, they reeled in the desert in a state of desolation. You know, when it says they found no city to live in, to dwell in, you know, the, word, the word Hebrew word is derech, road. So it could mean that they didn't find the road. They didn't find the way to the city that they could dwell in. You know, that's a statement for the Jewish people. Always looking, you know, that's a statement that speaks about Abraham, as it says about Abraham in Hebrews 11.10, for he looked for a city. He didn't find the way to the city, but he looked for it without foundations, whose builder and maker is God. It's a statement about Isaac's life. He was constantly moving. It's the same of Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, who is now Israel. And so the same yearning to settle down was in Israel, and the same the yearning is in the people of Israel. The same yearning in the heart of the people of Israel today. The people of Israel today. Hana Senesh. Hana Senesh was a beautiful Hungarian Jewish girl who fled the Hungarian Jewish persecution in 1939, and she came to Israel. She came to the land of Israel, Palestine. And she was a fighter, and she, in her teens, she came. And she joined the Haganah, with the, the underground military force, which fought for Israel's freedom that later became the Israel Defense Force, the IDF. And there she is, relatively safe in Israel during Hitler, 
during the Nazis, relatively safe. She's there. And in 1944, she volunteers. She volunteers with the British Army to be parachuted into Yugoslavia and then to join the resistance fighters and to cross into Hungary to fight to free the Jews of the Nazis. Can you believe it? When I tell you a story like that, doesn't it bring conviction to you? Don't you think within yourself, you know, I'm safe, I'm, I'm relatively protected within my Christian environment, you know, I should go out door to door, especially the Jewish people, and endure that? You know, look what she did. She was safe in Israel, and she volunteered. She's, she's, in, she's in her 20s. She's 23. And she was captured at the border, and she had a British transmitter on her. It was found. And they knew there was a code, and they wanted the code, and they tortured her to give up the code. She wouldn't give it up. They clubbed her. They clubbed her teeth out. And she was tried for treason. And then at 23 years old, she was shot by the Nazis. Now, before she was killed, Hannah dreamed. And she wrote about the land of Israel for the Jewish people. And she wrote these wonderful words. She wrote this. There's only one place in the world from which you do not escape. Nor do you immigrate from. You just come home home to the land of Israel. It's wonderful, right? The only problem is that the land of Israel, or what Hannah called home for the Jewish people, home for the people of Jacob, is a place today that's surrounded by enemies of the Jewish people. And these enemies have vowed their lives to kill and have the total destruction of the Jewish people. Many times more territories than the Jewish people of Jacob. And they have many times are stronger, many times more stronger than the Jewish people of Jacob. There are many times more people than the Jewish people of Jacob. And today, especially today, many times much more money than the Jewish people of Jacob. It's frustrating. It was frustrating for Abraham. He couldn't find the way to the city. It was frustrating for Isaac. It was frustrating for Jacob. It's frustrating for the Jewish people today because these enemies, and they cause the Jewish people today to still be like Abraham, still be like Isaac, still be like Jacob, like the people described in 107, Psalm 107, verse 4, wandering in the desert in a state of desolation, not finding the road or the way to the city to dwell in. So just like Abraham, just like Isaac, just like Jacob, just like the Jewish people today on earth, wandering in a solitary place until Abraham found his home in Jehovah Jesus. Until Isaac found his home in Jehovah Jesus. Until Jacob and until the Jewish people will find their home in Jehovah Jesus. So what Hanash Senesh said about the only the one place where you do not escape from and you do not have to immigrate from and the only place that's home, that's Jehovah Jesus. That's Jehovah. He is our home. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob all found, and soon the Jewish people as well, that there's only one home that satisfies like that, and it's Psalm 27.4. Psalm 27.4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What for? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. His desire is not to behold the outward beauty of the sanctuary, not to behold the beauty of the temple, not to behold the beauty of Jerusalem, not to behold the beauty of the new Jerusalem, not to behold the beauty of heaven, but to behold the beauty of the Lord. Jehovah Jesus is our home. And, the Je- and Jehovah Jesus says to us, are you tired? Are you tired? He says, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me, 
all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Jehovah Jesus says in John 7, 37, John 7, 37, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He says, are you hungry? Are you hungry? He says in John 6, 35, John 6, 35, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. Are you dirty? Are you dirty? Revelation 1, 5, him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. All done by coming to him. Now, there's something very important to see in verse three when Jacob says in verse three, let us, let us arise. Let us arise, go up to Bethel. See, when Jacob says let us, we see a man here that is just broken with concern for his household. We have to remember now, we gotta remember now that Jacob's family here that he's addressing, he's addressing all of the Jewish people. So see this as symbolic. Here's the man Jacob addressing all of the Jewish people, his family, and really he's addressing all the Jewish people, and Jacob just didn't have the attitude of, well, I'm rightly related to God, and that's all that matters. I'm on my way to heaven, and that's all that counts. You guys are just baggage that I gotta drag around with me. He didn't have that. So, you know, so we're going to Bethel, so get going. That was not Jacob. When we read those words, let us, we can hear such a deep concern in Jacob's heart for his household. This is a concern that Jacob has for the Jewish people. And when Jacob says, let us, we can hear in his voice the same concern for the Jewish people that was in the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ when he stands over Jerusalem and weeps, he cries over it, and through his tears, he says in Luke 19, 41, Luke 19, 41, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they're hid from thine eyes. He wept. He wept when he saw Jerusalem. He saw the capital of the Jewish people. He wept because he saw how much the Jewish people lost the opportunity that they lost when they didn't receive him as God, Jehovah Jesus. And when Jacob said that in verse two, let us, we can hear in his voice the same concern that Paul had for his own people in Romans 9, 10, 11. And when I read this concern in Jacob, as he says in verse three, let us, it's, it's like personal. I feel personally because I look at Jacob and saying, let us, and I see Jacob so concerned for the Jewish people. And I remember how Pastor Jim who used to spend three hours a day praying for the Jewish people when I first came here. And he saw how little concerned I was for my own Jewish people, less than concerned, the way they treated me, never mind. And it was over 40 years ago that he told me, he says, look, I remember one time he sat down with me and he said, look, if I can be so concerned over your people, you need to be concerned over your own people. And that got to me. That really got to me. And I carried that to the Lord and asked him, give me the heart of Pastor Jim for the Jewish people. A 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.